wherever you go, however you go. For energy on the go, it's got to be 5-Hour Energy. It works fast, it works long, it tastes good, and with zero sugar and four calories, there's nothing holding you back. Fits your pocket, fits your backpack, fits your on-the-go life, whether you're going to work, going on vacation, or just going out with friends. 5-Hour Energy. Energy on the go. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com. Welcome to the Skull King Football Podcast, presented by Vox DFS Firelines. Now, here are your hosts, Justin and Ryan Skullrude. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Skull King Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Ryan Skullrude and you may be able to tell I'm a little bit under the weather. Actually, I'm getting over being under the weather and my, my voice is not all that great tonight, but I do, I sound like a prepubescent, you know, <laughs> little boy. I, I was about what? to say, with my voice cracking every once in a while. You're under the weather and weather is a Mack truck, <laughs> so. Yeah, so my throat has had. Uh, better years. Um, <laughs> years? <laughs> How long have you been sick? <laughs> Actually, it's uh, really when I get sick, I'm usually knocked out for about 24, 48 hours, and then I'm better. I don't have like those long lingering colds. I actually feel better. It's just my throat hasn't recovered yet. So. Oh, so you get what is known as a coma, not yeah. sickness. Correct. <laughs> hey, fantasy football. Yeah, let's get back to that one. So tonight is our very special waiver wire madness episode. Uh, we have a little bit of a little bit of the headlines, some big news coming through uh, in the fantasy football world. Uh, we'll hit up the waiver wire, but first, what we want to do is we wanted to look at the Monday night football game and kind of uh, give an overview of what happened. Justin, why don't you go ahead and kind of give some of your thoughts? Uh, well, the first thing I want to point out is for those of you who listened yesterday in our preview for the Monday night football game, uh, I asked Ryan if, if this is the game that Pat Mahomes finally turns the ball over. He said he could throw an interception. I said, not an interception, likely a fumble. Now, he did that. He did fumble. Now, he didn't lose it, but I'm going to take credit where credit's due. So, to top it off, we're going to go with that. But... Uh, the other part that I'll point out is Mahomes showed his humanness, if you will. He still threw for 300 yards. Humanity. Humanity. I like humanness. I like creating my own words. But um, he showed that he is not the, the showstopper on every game. He is human. Uh, Kareem Hunt had a great game running the ball. I think they did a few things that, that got Mahomes off his game. They mixed some things up with some different zone schemes. They did very, very well to, to release and then uh, pick up the next guy. They blitzed very well, but not every team is going to have a Von Miller uh, and a Chubb on the other side causing havoc from the linebacker position. So I think Mahomes' owner should still be very excited. Travis Kelsey terrified a bunch of people for the first half. Uh, started 0-5 out of the gate, uh, but finished with his prototypical game against Denver, 
seven receptions, 78 yards, and a touchdown. So that my biggest takeaway is uh, Tariq Hill was used not – they didn't get a lot of deep balls thrown very well tonight, and I think that's what slowed things up for Mahomes and, and why they didn't gash for 40-plus points. They had to be a little bit more methodical moving the ball. Uh, and then, unfortunately, Sammy Watkins left the game with a with a hamstring injury. So they they lost some big bodiness uh, in the passing game outside of Travis Kelsey. So that's my biggest takeaways from from the Kansas City side. What are your takeaways from Denver? Well, I got a, a few things. Uh, pretty much confirms to me that Case Keenum is a streamer only for bye weeks. Um, I have him as my as my quarterback in the. Uh, in the league of record. And even though, even though it wasn't a great game from him, he didn't necessarily cost. I mean, he kind of cost me um, just, you know, not score, not throwing any touchdowns missing, you know, a uh, wide, open. wide open Demarius Thomas towards the end of the game. But even with that touchdown, I still would have lost, uh, you know, cause I didn't start Tariq Cohen. Um, Philip Lindsay, another 69 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he is well on pace for, um, I believe he's on pace for over a thousand yards or or real close to a thousand yards rushing, uh, yeah. and a TD. He had a TD tonight. He uh, didn't throw a punch tonight, so he played all game. Yeah, didn't get ejected. Um, and you know, Howerman leading the team with fifty-seven receiving yards that really kills, um, you know, Emmanuel Sanders owners like me. Um, yeah. Demarius Thomas owners, let's be honest, Demarius Thomas has been just in a downfall the last few years. I heard a stat tonight on on the, the broadcast that Demarius Thomas has led the league in drops since he came into the league. Yeah, but you also got to look at who his quarterbacks have been since he's been in the league. So not, not the, the creme de la creme or the cream of the crop, if you will, at quarterback. Um, the other thing that I'll point out uh, from a passing perspective, especially about Demarius Thomas, they're not li- they're throwing like sweeps or not sweeps. They're throwing uh, just dump passes and perceived wide receiver screens. It's not who- you throw a wide receiver screen to someone with speed. Well, that's a lot of what they were. Do- that's a lot of what Peyton Manning was doing. You know, five years ago. Yeah, when Demarius Thomas had speed, you do, with, you do that with Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, uh, and then uh, you do that uh, with Demarius Thomas blocking. So, and table that Demarius Thomas had two years with a good quarterback, but waning years of the quarterback. Sometimes I forget that Peyton Manning played at Denver. It's just unnatural. Yeah, uh, one 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 last thing, uh, not on the Denver side, but um, I am so happy that the Kansas City Chiefs finally decided to get Cream Hunt involved. Uh, one hundred twenty-one yards rushing alone and a TD. Finally, getting Kareem Hunt going, which you know, if they do that more, it's going to open even more for for Patrick Mahomes. Hey, Andy Reid, there's a reason. Hunt led the league in rushing last year. In spite of your crappy play calling. In spite of your horrible play calling and in spite of your uh, 
more or less snap counting him or, or limiting his touches his first year. He's proven himself to be a workhorse back. You can get him 19 to 20 rushes per game, and he will be fine. All right. Well, I think that's about uh, all we need to say about that's that. enough about that game. On to week five. All right. So let's go ahead and get going with uh, the headlines. Today's headlines. All right. Starting it off, Delvin Cook says he's less than 100%. He is not fully uh, recovered. One, from, I believe, from the ACL injury. Plus, he's been dealing with, I believe it's hamstrings. Is that, has that been his main issue so far? Um, yeah. A running back with leg issues uh, is not a good thing. I mean, we'll, we'll get to this in a second when we talk about Fournette. But this is a this is concerning to me because he didn't play much in the second half against the Rams. He is a more dynamic back than Latavius Murray. Um, and I, I am inclined to believe that either they are being way overly cautious with him because he is admitting to being less than 100% or he's not 100% healthy or, or there's, sorry, that's obvious. It, it, he's, there's some lingering injury there that there's, I mean, they lost him for most of the year last year. They, they don't want to do that again with how they're starting out of the gate and their defense struggling. They're going to need to score points. Uh, so, but this, this leg thing is not going to go away all season. This is going to be something to where they're going to have to sit him for multiple more weeks and then just ride the Latavius Murray train if, if Dalvin Cook is going to be salvaged this year in terms of fantasy production. Possibly. Um, yeah, I just, the problem is I don't trust their running backs right now because even when Latavius Murray was in against a, at home against a crappy Bills team, he couldn't get anything done. So. Well, he – the game script at that point was they rushed the ball for six times in the entire game. So to forget, the, forget the game script. The fact that he couldn't even—I mean, they weren't even catching, getting him, you know, the ball out of the backfield. Well, and when they were running, when they ran the ball with him, there he what? I think he finished four, four, five carries for like eight yards. Yeah, it wasn't much. But if you think about it, you're more likely to throw to Thielen or Diggs or Rudolph than yep. you would. To Murray, especially down by 28 points. Thielen had 19 targets in that game and still finished with like 12 catches for like 60 yards. That's how bad that game was. All he right, moving on. Proving me right on rankings. Thielen is. But yes, Ad moving on. Adrian Peterson did not practice on Monday. Uh, and no one cares. No. <laughs> uh, Buccaneers tight end OJ Howard sprained. His MCL is expected to miss two to four weeks, is what we're looking at right now. So. Um, at this point, you, it's, I understand this is the bye week for the Bucks. Everyone needs to start looking at picking up Cameron Bray. The other thing that I'll say here is I would lean that they're going to – that he's going to be out more to the four weeks than the two. Correct. Because Bray is solid – is a solid tight end. O.J. Howard is the future of, of this team – uh, and I think they need to be a little bit more cautious with him. So we've got a couple of tight ends to, to grab later in the show, but I, I think they're going to be a little bit more cautious with him than, than, yeah, than most teams would. I agree. Uh, Pete Carroll 
uh, tells 710 ESPN on the Brock and Salk show this morning that running back Chris Carson should be back this week versus the undefeated Rams. That is going to be a, a rough game, I believe, in Seattle. Yeah, that's going to be a beating. Yeah. Uh, because if you look at it, it's probably still going to be a couple weeks for Pro Bowl linebacker K.J. Wright to return from his August knee surgery. Uh, although I am, I have, I'll be honest, I've been very happy with how Michael Kendricks has stepped into that position. Uh, yes. Uh, one, one would think it, uh, if he has done some uh, insider trading on playbooks, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad joke. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I'm concerned um, – Mike Davis did have a good game. They've talked about getting him a little bit more involved. I think that hurts Carson more than it helps Mike Davis, if that makes any sense, because now this is like three running backs, and it's going to be more of like it was last year. And Yes, Chris Carson is the lead, but Mike Davis is now getting the ball, and Penny's here. So it's like a sad version of the Patriots running back room at this point. Maybe. Well, I think, it again, it'll – We'll see how that goes. I think eventually it'll end up being it'll stay as Chris Carson's, um, Chris Carson's uh, job. As long as they don't make him run the ball thirty times, he should be fine. Yeah, exactly. I think that was just. I think they just overdid it with Carson uh, last week. Whatever it takes to win. <laughs> Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski's ankle injury that prevented him from finishing Sunday's game is not expected or is not considered to be serious. He is expected to be questionable for Thursday night game. For the Thursday night game against the Colts, everyone expects him to play. Yeah, he's going to play. He, he, there's not a question in my mind. He is going to play. Speaking Monday, Texans coach uh, Bill O'Brien said Will Fuller's hamstring removal against the Colts was not precautionary, and that the team would see how it goes this week. We have uh, you know some information for you coming up later concerning that specific position. Yeah, that's that's a lot of coach speak. That is a lot of smoke and mirrors is what that is. Is Oh, it wasn't precautionary. So there's a serious hamstring issue? <laughs> All right. Doug Marone said he doesn't know how long Leonard Fournette will be out. He's still feeling something in the hamstring. That's pulling slash catching. Okay. That does not sound good. This is another one of those reasons why I avoided Leonard Fournette in the in drafts this year. Again, because I play mainly PPR, I tend to go wide receiver heavy anyways. However, this is why I draft no a zero running back draft strategy and pick up guys like Yeldon and Eckler. Guys behind people who tend to have leg injuries or who tend to be workhorses and have to get beat up. Get beat up. Fournette's leg injuries. He had hamstring injuries last week where he missed a couple, or last season where he missed a couple games. He was having the same leg injuries. He was having uh, hamstring injuries while he was at LSU. This is not new to me. This is why I don't, you know, rest everything I have in running backs like this. You're more likely to get, you know, more consistent uh, play from wide receivers in terms of not getting injured, unless you have someone like, you know, AJ Green who tends to get injured. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. And I, I think this is a, another scenario like the OJ Howard situation, to where they're going to rest him longer because they're a good team, they're a playoff-bound team. 
Yeldon is serviceable and, and a solid backup, great handcuff so far this season. They're getting the passing game going, which is a, a vast improvement over what was supposed to be projected for this year. But he is, once again, franchise player. Let's let's not get him. Let's not rush him back and lose him for a playoff run. Let's make sure he's 100% healthy for this season, because we're going to need him down the stretch for the latter half of the season and into the playoffs. Correct. All right. Uh, moving on, the Bucks have confirmed that Jameis Winston will be their starting quarterback when they come off a bye in Week Six. I'm abracadabra. Fitzmagic is done. Yeah, that didn't take long. <laughs> Uh, Harbaugh on Collins fumbling can't have it. No, we can't. Thanks, coach. The fact that he the fact that he continues um, to to fumble, especially near the goal line, is just absolutely aggravating for uh, fantasy owners. This is you know I drafted him because of his potential, and he's sat since week one because he keeps fumbling the ball, and because of that. They've got Buck Allen who keeps coming in at the goal line. And scoring. Yes. Um, asked Monday if Joe Mixon uh, will return for week five. Bengals coach Marvin Lewis said, that's an emphatic, we'll see. <laughs> Can you get any more coach speak, like nondescript coach speak than that? <laughs> Justin's choking Sorry. on coffee. I'm choking on my coffee. I should have waited. I saw that coming, and it was just coaches. I mean – this this goes back to uh, I think this most of these comments are are because of the over press like media uh, of 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 teams. Someone's going to ask the question, and he's just going to continue to answer it the same way a coach always would. Emphatically, we'll see. What do you think he's going to give you? Like. No, yes, he's going to tip his hand so that the team they're playing against knows that they need to prep against Joe Mixon. So we talked about this when he went out in 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 grabbing Giovanni Bernard, who now uh, has a little bit of an injury himself, that he could be back for the Monday night game this week. Yeah, but that is still on the the limit of the underside in that that would be kind of almost less than two weeks realistically. And he was supposed to be out two to four. So I would not, if I have Joe Mixon, I would not put him in my roster. I would rather play a different player that is guaranteed to play than to get to the Monday night matchup and not have a player to play in a position. If you want to play Mixon, you got to put him in your flex and put a different running back so you have maybe a potential option of, of going with a wide receiver player or a wide receiver. Yeah. Um, uh, if you have Geo, I would play him. I'd just have him set in your lineup because they may limit Mixon anyways, and I think Geo would still be involved as a flex play. Check that, check that, check that. Cincinnati's not playing the, the Sunday night game. Uh, I, I misread the schedule. They're playing the Sunday morning game against Miami. Okay. So, scratch the last 30 seconds. All right. Uh, speaking Monday, Ravens coach John Harbaugh said there's a good chance that tight end Hayden Hurst makes his NFL debut in week five. We'll wait and see what 
comes of that. Coach still not on my waivers. No, not yet. Not until I actually see something from him. Uh, Coach Dan Quinn said Monday he, quote-unquote, hopes Devonta Freeman will return for week five at Pittsburgh. I'm still – I would still be using Tevin Coleman and holding off on Freeman. Yeah, I'd hold off for another week. Cowboys coach Jason Gary revealed Monday that Ezekiel Elliott is playing through knee and ankle injuries. Yeah, because he wants to win, and Dallas has no shot without him. Yeah, basically. They have no one else. Uh, Carroll said Mike Davis um, – oh, Pete Carroll said Mike Davis will continue to fit into running, into the running back rotation even once Carson comes back. You know, we kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, ooh, here we go. This is uh, something to, to – Deeper put. league news. This is this is definitely deep league, 14 to 16 – well, 14 to 20 team leagues or bigger if you've got them. Coach Pete Carroll hinted that Brandon Marshall's playing time may be cut in favor of sophomore wide receiver David Moore. For those of you who don't know David Moore, haven't really heard much about him, uh, being up here in Seattle, we have seen uh, a lot of him, especially in the preseason. This kid is electric. He, he's got the speed. He, he's not the huge wide receiver that, uh, that Marshall is. He's, you know, he's the typical big wide receiver that you see in in Seattle meaning he's six foot 215 right about the size of Jermaine curse <laughs> um, yeah that's a big receiver in Seattle that's a big receiver in Seattle uh, considering you've got let's see who else uh, you know Doug Baldwin at 510 you've got uh, Tyler Lockett at 59510 and both those guys are about 180 pounds soaking wet so yeah but David Moore, he is someone to look at. If you've got a deeper league, you have extra room on the bench, he is one that I would be willing to pick up if you have the room. And you're in like a 14-plus league. 14-plus league. I mean, I'm, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I, may, I may try to pick him up this week. Um, not that I need any help with my wide receivers in the league of record. Um, I more need help with the, uh, with the defense. So, um. And here's the the big big news that we were we were referring to earlier. Pittsburgh is still expected uh, to be interested in listening to trade offers for Le'Veon Bell per league sources, but now Bell is planning to report later this month, I believe, during their Week Seven buy for Pittsburgh uh, this month, and would not dissuade the Steelers from making a deal that made sense. So he is at this point, as far as we know, coming back during their Week Seven buy. And Pittsburgh still would be willing to make the deal, make a deal for him, um, in terms of trading him away if they get the right package in return. Yeah, I I tried to, and we discussed this before the show. I tried to sneakily grab Le'Veon Bell uh, as soon as this news dropped, um, just to see if if the guy who is one in three and has been demolished in three of those games um, was on tilt enough to be done with the waiting game of Le'Veon Bell. Didn't work, but um, this is one of those things where I think he uh, – it's interesting because it contradicts the tweet that he had that went out after – Earl Thomas got hurt and saying, I will be the bad guy and continue to hold out and fight for us players 
in order to get right compensation and to get paid and these kinds of things. And then he decides to reports come out that he's looking to come back regardless of whether, because this is tipping your hand. The Steelers aren't Steelers can't do anything, but offer his signet, uh, offer the, the tender and let him sign it or try or trade him. Those are the two options the Steelers have. They can't negotiate the contract anymore. So what is Love Bell doing at this point? It doesn't make any sense. Basically, just ticked off. He's being as as he as he as he tweeted at at Earl Thomas. He's being the bad guy for everyone. Yeah, but if you're going to be the bad guy, you continue to hold out until the week eleven time frame, where then you're only there because you're there, so you don't get fined, or you're there for your money, as as in. The, the words of Marshawn Lynch, but it then then you play your six games, you you maintain your ability to be a free agent after the season, and then you can go anywhere. Yep. All right, that is it for uh, the the day's headlines. Uh, now it's time to move into uh, our most. I got to say honestly, I think this is our our biggest our biggest uh, segment of the week every week. Um. It's the part of the you know our, this article and and this this episode is our most listened to and most read article. Uh, time to this get. This is how you win your weeks. <laughs> this is how you do it. This is how you do it. Uh, wow, old reference. <laughs> uh, let's get into some waiver wire madness. Waiver wire madness. All right, so to start us off uh, in the quarterback position. Hold up, hold up, hold up. we got to give the sponsor. Oh. Waiver Wire Madness, real quick, is powered by StatRoute. Uh, for all the best fantasy stats you can find, go to StatRoute.com. It's where we at Skull King go to get all of our research and statistical analysis for our articles and rankings. Really, it's, I mean, the, the, the breakdowns that they have are absolutely insane. By, you can break down by position, seasons, whether it's this season, past three, past five, past ten, home and away splits, first half of the season, second half of the season, fantasy playoffs, NFL playoffs, weather with, you know, they, have, they break down the wind by, or they break it down by clear, wet and rainy, windy of greater than 15 miles an hour, snow, hotter than 80, I mean, they break down everything on here. Yes. Uh, versus, versus team, head coach, defensive coordinator. This is where you go to get in-depth stats to get just that much more of an advantage for your fantasy leagues. So, again, go to statroute.com, S-T-A-T-R-O-U-T-E.com, uh, and let them know the guys from Skull King sent you over there. Yeah, they're, they're the money ballers of fantasy football. Basically. Basically what they are. So, now I can go. Go for it. Okay, so uh, starting off the quarterback position, uh, I've got a couple of options for you here. Uh, and some of these guys may have been drafted and dropped uh, earlier in the season. Starting off uh, in, in no real particular order um, would be Marcus Mariota, currently owned in 20.3% of ESPN leagues. Uh, Marcus Mariota was my breakout quarterback player of the year last year. Uh, that did not pan out so well for me. He did not finish in the top 12. Uh, but right now, after a big game with Corey Davis and then finally getting things rolling, really, 
with Corey Davis. Now, Mariota has also had a rough start with injury. Um, they played what was previously a good Eagles defense, uh, which is now uh, lost to Tampa Bay and to the Titans. Um, but he's dangerous with his legs. He's arguably the fastest quarterback in the league. He faces Buffalo this week, who is not a good team. Uh, he then faces Baltimore that I'm not super excited about, but his ability with his legs buys him some time uh, in, uh, outside of the pocket. And then he faces the Chargers, who have surprisingly given up a bunch of yards this season so far. So I like Mariota over the next couple of weeks uh, as a quarterback waiver wire ad. I don't, I don't mind Mariota. I think it's more, he's more, for me, he's more of a streaming option. If you've got yes. a more regular option, I would go with it. Um, you know, smaller leagues, I don't think that Mariota is worth the pickup. I think 12 and above, that's where you're looking at streaming Mariota. Yes, and, and all of these quarterbacks really are border, or more or less streamers, really, um, because there hasn't been a major quarterback injury. Um, a lot of guys uh, have a little bit more depth, have, are already carrying two quarterbacks. So once again, in no particular order, but the second one I want to mention here, uh, currently owned in 48% of leagues, massive jump uh, over the last couple of weeks, Baker Mayfield, uh, who has proved, uh, once again, he is a big improvement over Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Mayfield came in and threw for 295 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, I'm not excited about the four turnovers, but he's a rookie. That's going to happen from time to time. Once he gets past Baltimore this week, once again, I don't like him as a streaming option this week. Um, but you could grab him, stash him on your bench if you want to have two quarterbacks. Um, but the next five weeks, this is why I like Baker. The next five weeks after he faces Baltimore, he faces the Chargers, who have given up yards. He faces the Bucks, who just got six touchdowned by Mitch Trubisky. He faces the Steelers, which, who Fitzpatrick torched. He then plays the Chiefs, who can't play defense. And then he plays... Well, they did play a little bit of defense tonight, but I'm, I'm not believing much in that Broncos offense, right? in the pass offense right now. Yeah, pass offense, not so good. Running back, surprisingly good, considering the rookies. But, so, Chargers, Buccaneers, Steelers, Chiefs, and Atlanta. Those are bottom feeders when it comes to fantasy defensive teams against a quarterback. So he's potentially going to have some explosive weeks in the next five weeks. So if you've got uh, another quarterback that you're not looking to start or for some reason the quarterback goes down, Baker Mayfield has a couple of good weeks coming up uh, going into the bye. So once again, turnovers may still be an issue as rookies have them, but he's definitely moving the ball all over the field much better than Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. And and again, for me, Baker Mayfield is more. Again, he, you're you're talking about a streamer type. For me, the importance of Baker Mayfield isn't for streaming. For me, the importance of Baker Mayfield is how what he does for the players around him. Yes. So, uh, number three, Derek Carr, currently owned in twelve point seven percent of ESPN leagues. Um, Considering that this is supposed to be the run-first Gruden offense, uh, the Raiders have been very pass-heavy this year. A car has thrown for 300 yards or more in three of his first four games, and he's faced better defenses than most quarterbacks. 
he faced a fully healthy Rams in week one. Uh, a Denver team that is a solid defense. A Miami team who has been a top five defense against the pass in fantasy football since the beginning of 2017. Uh, and then he also played uh, a Cleveland team that was number four coming into this week against Oakland. So he's playing better defenses yet still throwing the ball. He's still he's turning over the ball a little bit. Um, but he's facing much easier opponents over the next few weeks. Chargers, all three of these quarterbacks are playing the Chargers in, in some of the next couple of weeks. Uh, then Seattle, by then the Colts, who just gave up 375 yards to Deshaun Watson. So Carr is, once again, a streamable option should something happen to your starter. I agree with you there. I think that, um, you know, with the weapons that he's got there, Cooper going back and forth, Jordy Nelson is starting to show signs of life, and Jared Cook has just been a rock star this year and has been his top target. So Yeah. Uh, moving on to the running back uh, position for me, uh, these ones are in a particular order. So uh, for me, number one uh, is obviously Nick Chubb, who's currently owned in only 15.7% of ESPN leagues. Uh, Chubb's efficiency uh, this last week was otherworldly. No other player in the history of the NFL has rushed for 100 yards and two touchdowns on three carries. And only three carries. People have done it and then continue to carry the ball more the rest of the game. He's the only one that's done it and only had those three touches. Uh, and so I'm not saying that this week has earned him more playing time. Most people would say that or think that. Um, he hasn't gotten more than three touches. You would have thought that if this week earned it, he would have gotten more touches after the first 60-yard touchdown, he would have gotten more touches, but he still only got three. So Hyde is still clearly the starter, but Chubb is a solid handcuff to own. If you need a starter, you may need to look somewhere else. Uh, if you need just to add some depth, uh, Nick Chubb is a great option because Hyde has had some injury issues in the past. He's been in the season now his fifth year, so four completed seasons already and only one full season under his belt, which was last year. So Hyde could get injured or banged up, uh, which then leads Chubb to be the guy to go. Yeah. I, I, as, a, as a Hyde owner who has vowed for years to never draft Carlos Hyde, <laughs> um, uh, I like what, what Hyde has been able to do this year. But, yeah, I think you know they drafted Chubb to be the future running back of that team. And so I, I think that he really could provide a big spark uh, if he gets the chance. So, Yeah. they, Yeah. So, uh, once again, they went with Baker uh, and then could have gone with a different running back in the draft. But they waited and they got Chubb uh, well, in the second round. Rumor has it they actually – I don't know if – you know we, we mentioned this earlier in the year. They actually – rumor has it that they were the team that contacted – the Seahawks right after they drafted Penny at 18 to try to trade for Penny. Uh, yeah, I think, I think they were saved from, um, oh, what, 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 what was Eddie Lacy's nickname last year? Uh, well, he had a lot of nicknames. Well, about eating, 
because Penny just looks fat. Yeah, well, he yeah he he's put on a little bit of weight, but a little bit of weight. <laughs> That's thirty pounds on an elite athlete. All right, moving so, on. Moving on. Uh, number two, uh, Donta Foreman. Now, a lot of people think this is going to be a little bit early. Currently owned in three point seven percent of leagues, but I moved him up because of Lamar Miller's mysterious injury. Uh, for those of you who watched the game against the Colts, Houston was ahead going into the fourth quarter by. 11 points. And typically what you do in the fourth quarter is you run the ball to run clock. They were not able to do that. And you saw Alfred blue and I'm not the biggest fan of Alfred blue. You and I were texting back and forth. No. I'm like, how, how is Alfred blue getting so much production in, in a clutch moment in the game? The career plotter, Be, but there was no, information disclosed about an injury and they're still not but Lamar Miller didn't fumble he's been the go-to guy in rushing he's already uh, rushed for almost 100 yards in a game he's he's been consistent on the ground um, but they decided to, to throw the ball and you don't do that with the lead in the fourth quarter um, so I think there's something that is yet to be disclosed with Lamar Miller We've already talked about Donta Foreman potentially taking over this backfield once he comes back in week seven. Uh, a couple or at of least by the end of, at least by the end of the year. Or at least by the end of the year, yeah. Uh, a couple of stats I want to throw out. Last year, Foreman outworked Miller uh, and was more productive until his season ended because of injury. Uh, the week he got injured, 65 yards, two touchdowns before he went down fumbling the ball on the injury. So that's really the only reason he had the fumble last year uh, in that game. Um, but uh, I think Miller, once again, is going to get phased out. Foreman's going to be the, the, the front guy. Um, last year, Miller averaged 3.7 yards for the whole season. Foreman averaged 4.2 on a third of the carries. Um, he was also more explosive. Lamar Miller played all 16 games and only had one rush of 20-plus yards. Foreman played in 11 and a half games and had three carries of more than 20 yards. So he's more explosive. He's younger, faster, more versatile. I think Foreman's going to be the guy, especially if an injury comes out to be disclosed with Lamar Miller. Yeah, I like Foreman, especially for his, for his, his future possibilities by the end of the year. Lamar Miller tends to tends to wear down by the end of the season, and so uh, I definitely like uh, Foreman as a pickup to go ahead and get now. Even if you have to stash him, if he's not, even if he's not ready, you know, the week that yeah. he's supposed to come back off of IR, uh, to stash him and just get him now and hold him as long as you as long as you have the ability to. He is a guy to look at already as someone who can make a significant impact that others may not be looking at for your playoff run. All right. Uh, any more running backs? Uh, I've got one final one. Um, he's being widely talked about and is higher than I would have him, and that's Naheem Hines, who's currently owned in 15.5% of ESPN leagues. I have him as a trade bait alert. So if you've got him, look to trade him or move him because of this last week. Uh, and the reason why I have his have him as that is he's proven to be serviceable so far in the passing game not so much in the running game he was getting excuse me he was getting five to 12 touches per game until ty hilton went out this last week they had to then throw the ball to other people 
his targets went up, his production went up. Hines was used more in the passing game, got two touchdowns. But I'm concerned about his long-term value with Robert Turbin coming back and Marlon Mack coming back, who are, pro- are going to prove to be more valuable in the running game. And unless Naheem Hines proves to be like a Duke Johnson type or a Theo Riddick type, which he could be, but there's just not enough volume there in a standard uh, league, potentially in a PPR league. But once again, at that point, then there's too many mouths to feed, and I'm a little nervous about his production. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I think Hines is – he has the potential uh, to be that in to, – to be a PPR ad. I don't like – I don't like the fumbles, obviously. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm still holding on to Alex Collins, but, you know, he hasn't started. He's been on my bench because of it, so. Um, The other thing that I'll add really quickly about Naheem Hines, he should have a pretty good game if the Colts play well against the Patriots. True. Because, once again, T.Y. Hilton's out. I'm not looking for Jack Doyle to play in this game either. So, you're looking at the same type of players of of go-to-ness, the same key players that, that... that Luck used late in the game against the Texans are going to be the players that he's going to have to rely on throughout the whole game against the Patriots. Yep. All right. Let me... All right, we're going to go ahead and move on to the wide receivers. Uh, We're going to start off with Geronimo Allison. And um, he's owning 40%, 47% of Yahoo leagues. I know Justin and I do this a little different. He does ESPN, I do Yahoo. Um... Geronimo Allison, the last this whole season so far has actually been extremely productive. Uh, five for sixty nine and a touchdown. Six for sixty four. Two for seventy six and a touchdown. Six for eighty. Now he went out early in his last game because of the concussion, and unfortunately, we want to we want to hope that this isn't a become this does not become a regular occurrence because this is his second documented concussion as professional. So that's something to kind of look out for, um, you know, that this may become a regular thing. But, again, especially with Cobb being out with the, with the hamstrings, when that happens, Geronimo Allison moves into that number two wide receiver spot and has been extremely productive. He's a very good route runner, um, has a little bit of burst, I really like him, and again, only owned in 47% of leagues. He, you know, that's some solid wide receiver uh, production that you can find. Uh, you know, he's averaging, God, he's averaging like 17 points a game in, or 16 points a game in, in PPR. So definitely, definitely a guy that's worth adding to your teams. Yeah, the thing that I'll add is that he's got a solid uh, base in terms of point production and value. Um, he plays Detroit. He's not going to be going up against Darius Slay. That's going to be uh, Devonta Adams. So uh, he's going to have, if he plays, he's going to have an easier matchup. Slay will probably take a couple of uh, pass targets away due to coverage on Devonta Adams, which then leads me to believe that Geronimo Allison is the number two here, um, especially with Cobb kind of questionable right now so far. Um, if he doesn't play, then that's going to hurt the the Packers. But Solid floor. He's getting around 60 yards or five or six catches every game so far. So solid base level to work with. Consistency is what you're looking at at this point. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Uh, 
All right. Uh, number two, uh, D.D. Westbrook only owned in 17% of Yahoo leagues. It looks to me like D.D. Westbrook is taking over the, the, uh, the reins as the lead wide receiver from Keelan Cole. Let me pull up, uh, let me pull up Cole's stats again real quick here as well. While you're pulling that up, I'll, I'll interject here. The only game that D.D. Westbrook has failed to get 10 points was against Tennessee, who was a highly underrated defense uh, in the NFL. So 10 points, 18 points, 6 points, 21 points. Um, he's only got one touchdown. He's also playing Kansas City this next week. Yeah. So – Looking at uh, looking at D.D. Westbrook so far this season, five for fifty-one, four for eighty-two, three for thirty-one, and nine for one thirty. Keelan Cole, three for fifty-four, seven for one sixteen, five for forty, and two for fifteen. Uh, I don't think I have. I don't have. Uh, do you think you could really quickly look up the targets that uh, that Keelan Cole has had so far? Total targets? Uh, targets per game. Because if you look at Westbrook, it's been six targets, five targets, four targets, and 13. Let me pull it up here real quick as you, as you finish your point. Anyways, so D.D. Westbrook is being extremely productive. He's getting targeted a lot. Um, and, again, he's going up against uh, Kansas City coming up, uh, Dallas, uh, who – they you know they've been giving up a little bit on the road they they do have a defense that can get to the quarterback uh Houston who's been giving up points Philadelphia who has not been the team that we all thought that they were going to be on defense so i think that DD Westbrook is is going could very well be the the target to uh to own there he was drafted a couple what was it 2 years ago to be that number one guy uh eventually and just you know didn't pan out really all that well last year but I think that this year is uh, could be the year that he really takes over that uh, wide receiver core. Yeah, uh, I think I have the uh, the targets here. So Keelan Cole, week one, four targets, three catches, 54 yards. New England, eight targets, seven receptions, 116. Week three, nine targets, five catches, 40 yards. And then this last week against the Jets, three targets, two receptions, 15 yards. Okay, so they've kind of gone back and forth in terms of yeah. their time, So. All right, uh, next up, we're going deep league here. My third target is Taewon Taylor. And for some of you, you may be going, who? <laughs> Taewon Taylor, he is now the number two wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans. This past week, he finished with seven catches on nine targets for 77 yards. He is the guy that has now taken over the Rashard Matthews role. Now the Rashard Matthews is gone. Um, he is a he is a speedy wide receiver. Can catch the deep ball. Can get under it. He makes he can make some absolutely phenomenal catches. Has great hands. Solid route runner. Um, I think that he could really thrive in this offense, especially with um, with Corey Davis being the big guy. I think that Taewon Taylor could be the guy that takes you know that that really takes it off the top. Um, and can really open things up for Dave, for Davis and be a very productive uh, uh, player in his own right, whether it be um, 
you know, screens, you know, bubble screens, or going after the deep ball, crossing patterns. Taewon Taylor has the ability to do that. And uh, he is, I think that he is going to get more involved in the passing game as the season goes on. Yeah, I, I would say that uh, if, if Mariota can stay healthy, then Taewon Taylor is going to prove valuable. Uh, once again, also solid floor over the last couple of weeks. They were throwing short against Jacksonville, Philadelphia this last week. Seven receptions, 77 yards. Yep. And then the last one, this is, this is a fun one to get to. Uh, Kiki Kuti. Uh, he is a wide receiver for the Houston Texans. Uh, was a fourth-round pick this last year, and this was actually, this last week was his first game. Now, you could be, say that this is chasing points. However, he is the number three wide receiver behind Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins. And if Fuller is out, Kuti's the next guy. And when Fuller went out this last week, Kuti finishes with 15 targets, 11 receptions, and 109 yards in a throw the ball all over the yard offense. You can, you it, the first and number, the number one and number two targets are going to be the guys that get thrown to a ton. If Miller's missing time or Fuller is missing time, Kuti is going to get a lot of work. Yeah, I would also say if, if Miller's going to miss some time, they're going to need to go uh, in the passing game more. Uh, once again, Blue is not – there's a reason why he's not a starter. There's a reason why he's not getting a lot of work in general. They're using him more as a change of pace or to get Miller uh, uh, a breath here and there. Um, but one of the things that uh, people don't realize is if you go back to uh, Watkins or Watson's uh, career at Clemson, they used a ton of those speedy underneath routes uh, in mismatches from the slot. And you saw a lot of yardage in college in a similar type role that you see Kiki will fill right now. So even though uh, Fuller could be injured and out for a while, I think Kiki Kuti could, could show value even if – Fuller comes back because there's that underneath route. I think him on the field in general is going to make defenses have to play more honest against Fuller and against Hopkins. So uh, he's a one-week grab if you've got Fuller and you want to quote-unquote handcuff Fuller. Kiki Kuti is a great option. All right. So that's it. Uh, that's all I've got for wide receivers. We're really quickly going to go through tight ends. They're, I mean – how many different tight ends uh, ended their season this week? Was it just the two? Who was the third uh, one that ended their season? Eifert, well, okay, so Eifert, Eifert Disley, and Howard's out for two to four weeks. Howard's out for two to four weeks. You've got Greg Olson that's still out. Uh, uh, um, Walker was IR week one. So I've never been a lot of tight end injuries. So and, and Evan Ingram could still be out this next week dealing with the ramifications of his concussion. Correct. So, uh, as far as tight ends go, there's there's not a whole lot out there. So, this will be really quick. Uh, number one, Vance McDonald owned in 44%. He has played really well the last couple weeks. Five targets in each of the last three weeks. Three catches, four catches, five catches. Um, I want to say right now, I've got a league that has a little bit different scoring. 
But in terms of in terms of fantasy production, he is. Let me see. Pull it up right here. He's still in the top ten. So, or he's right at right at number 10, 11. So um, that's with missing week one. So he is going, he is solid production. Uh, he is going to get targeted a lot. If you look, I mean, if you look at him compared to Jesse James, Jesse James, three, five targets, five targets. And then along comes McDonald, one target, one target for Jesse James. McDonald's yeah. the guy that they're going to target. So, so Vance McDonald is number one. Number two is Cameron Brait. And, if you've listened to our podcast for longer than this season, you know that we are huge fans of Cameron Brait, that we have railed for the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick wouldn't throw to the better of the two tight ends, in my opinion, uh, throwing to Cameron Brait, to his fellow uh, Harvard alum. Uh, but in terms of uh, production right now, with O.J. Howard going out for injury for a couple weeks, Cameron Brait has always been the guy that the, the tight end that Winston threw to more than OJ Howard. He was always more productive when Winston was in, uh, was a top 10 tight end. I think he finished like tight end number seven or eight, one year, uh, two years ago. Two years ago. Um, and then last year really fell off after Winston got hurt and Ryan Fitzpatrick came in. Or was yeah. it, or was it suspension? Uh, yeah, Jameis Winston did, did – his production fell off. One thing I want to correct, uh, Evan Ingram is out with an MCL sprain, okay. not the concussion issue. He's, he's beat up for yeah. sure, but he's not going to be playing this week. Um, also, I think that Howard is a great tight end. I think that Brait offers better and more trustworthy hands. Correct. Howard's got great speed. Uh, Run after the catch. Probably better at the blocking game because that's what he was at Alabama. Once again, not really thrown to in college. They're developing that skill with him now. But Brait is the guy that Jameis Winston would go to on third down because he could trust Brait to be in the right spot, unlike Evans, who we've said time and time again, can be a rather lazy route runner. Yep. So Brait is the consistent target on third down so as Howard is out for a couple of weeks Brait should be serviceable uh, it should be it should be a streamable and startable option and then after Howard's return I think you'll still you'll you'll see once again that that split level and I think Howard's production drops because he's not going to get the targets anymore because no. they're going to run a little bit more two wide receiver set or two, two tight end sets uh, they won't be in the the three wide receiver set. I also think break getting more involved than Jameis Winston now involved. Yeah. Seriously affects Chris Godwin and his production moving forward. Once again, two tight end sets. Possibly. Uh, the, the one thing that is a downfall with Cameron Bray is they're on by this week. So honestly, this would be the yes. better week to pick him up if you've got the space. So um, he's owning 24% of leagues. Uh, the last one, the last tight end I want to go over real quick. Uh, this is like, Again, deep tight end. Um, deep tight end, and because and only because three tight ends without are we offering this guy as an option because we want to give you an option just in case everyone else grabs the other two. Yep, you've got an option if you're sitting low on Fab or you're you were you're really 
high or low technically on the waiver wire priority. And you know, you're not going to get one of those first two. Yep. So the, the, the next, the, the last name is Jeff Swaim. He is, uh, he's turned out to be the top uh, receiving tight end for uh, the Dallas Cowboys right now. He's kind of become, sort of become the, uh, oh God, what was his name? The, the crappy uh, Monday Night Football announcer. Collinsworth? No. Monday Night Football, the, the tight end. Who is their tight end? Jason Witten. Jason Witten. Kind of, he's kind of moved. Sorry, I had to take a shot at Collinsworth. I'm sorry. <laughs> He does Sunday Night Football. Um, so he's kind of moved in that Jason Witten role, uh, can block, but also can be productive. He's, you know, he's been targeted four times, uh, missed week two, targeted seven times week three, five times week four. So solid target share. Um, going up against Houston. Houston, let me put it right here. Houston, in terms of um, fantasy points against tight ends, their defense is the eighth worst giving up 15.6 points to tight ends, um, giving up 63 yards per game. Uh, they've given up three TDs, 19 receptions. So Houston is, is one of the you know, not-so-great teams in terms of going up against tight ends. So that would, you know, the matchup works in Swaim's favor this week. So, uh, so yeah, and he is owned in 0% of leagues. It's like... In the league of record, he's owned in point four, and I think our league might be like one of the few that he's actually in. Yeah, because there's 14 teams deep, and a lot of injuries have happened to tight end. Yeah, so. All right, well, that's all we've got for you tonight. Uh, again, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen to, especially our waiver wire show, and that uh, you guys trust us. Like I said, this, is, this tends to be our, our most listened to show. Our waiver wire articles every week tend to be the, the, most, the, <clears throat> the most read shows. Um, yeah. So again, thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen. This has been the Skull King Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Ryan Skullrude. And I'm Justin Skullrude. And we will talk to you guys later. Hey, Skull King Nation. Thank you for listening to the Skull King Football Podcast. Did you like this episode? If so, be sure to go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube to subscribe. Also, please leave us a rating and reviews to let us know how we can better help you rule your leagues. Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.